God bless you guys. I hope all of you are doing well today on this wonderful Sunday. It is a kind of cool Sunday, so I felt like bringing out my long sleeves, you know, it's that fall season. If you have your Bibles, please open it up with me to Genesis 1-1. If you don't know where that is at, it's the first page. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> it's the very first uh, chapter. And we're actually, you know, Oscar last time, he's like, you know, he, he read a big portion, and I was like, you know what, I'll read a bigger portion. So, so, so we're reading the entire chapter of Genesis 1. So bear with me, I'll take a few minutes. But, you know, you need to get your Bible reading done for the week. I know some of you guys don't, don't read it. So, Genesis 1, uh, starting on verse 1, okay. And I'll be reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. And it goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was a morning, one day. Verse 6. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to rule the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the, the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God bless them. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas. And let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, and then morning, the fifth day. 
Then God said, Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for being with us today. I pray that as we open up your scriptures and start this new series on work, that we may see what you have to say Not what man has to say, not what the modern trend has to say, but what you, God, what you have written in your word concerning work, concerning what we do. Today we read about creation, Lord, and we have seen some mighty truths. Maybe certain passages are resonating to us within our hearts through your spirit, Lord. And I pray that you may continue to speak to us through your spirit today, that you may unravel unpack your truth today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Today we begin a new series. This series will follow the kingdom series that we had last year during fall. It's a biblical theology. It looks at the entire narrative of the Bible and extracts what it has to say concerning a specific subject. This time around, we are going to focus on the subject of work. Work. Work is a big deal for people. Many of us work at least 40 hours every week. And that makes me think, like, we do spiritual things like church for how many hours? Maybe two or three hours per week. So if we, like compartmentalize our lives from what we call secular and sacred, from work and spirituality, there's a lot in our lives that is more secular than what is sacred. Work and spiritual topics seem to be on opposite ends of a spiritual spectrum, but the Bible doesn't see it like that. Work and spirituality are both important in the eyes of God. 
Work is an important theme within the Bible. It's not as important as the kingdom, but work is still an important theme within the Bible because the Bible deals with important things within our lives. Work is important to who we are, whether we like it or not. It's so central to us. It's like one of the first questions we ever ask a person who we meet for the first time. What do you do for work? If we don't like our work, it's so central to us that if we don't like our work, we could become depressed. There is a story about this person named Dave. He, he was fighting depression. Dave went to a pastor to seek help. Dave wasn't suicidal, but he was just unhappy. And he had no idea why he was unhappy. Dave didn't understand why he followed Jesus. He had a great life, yet he was still depressed. Why was he depressed? The pastor saw depression as more of a symptom than a disease. He believed that when you have depression, something in your life is causing you to have depression. So the pastor started investigating, seeing what could be the cause. He wanted to know what was underneath the depression. Dave answered the pastor's questions. Was he sleeping enough? Was he praying enough? Was, how was his marriage? And Dave answered correctly. Nothing was apparently wrong. But then the pastor started asking questions about Dave's job. Do you like your job? The pastor asked. It's a good job, Dave answered. But do you like what you do? Do you wake up in the morning with a sense of anticipation, of excitement for the day ahead? Dave responded, well, no. Dave thought his job was a good job, but it wasn't enough. You see, Dave used to be a Navy SEAL, he was able to hold his breath underwater for at least two minutes. And now he had moved back home and took over his dad's lighting business. He was making good money, but his job did not require him to use the skills and do the actions that he was used to doing. Dave felt unfulfilled. Dave had a great house, was living well, but couldn't care less about lighting. He would do a great job putting up lights, but it just wasn't him. Who could relate? Anyone? I, I, I remember when I was a long-term sub as a math teacher a couple of years ago at a private school. My, my assignment ended as a math teacher, and I returned to tutoring as an avid tutor within the Stockton Unified School District, and I loved helping. It was great, but I just felt degraded to a degree because I was teaching, you know, at a teacher's level, but then I went back to work under a teacher as a tutor, and I felt that I didn't have the same respect or the same responsibilities. I wasn't using the same skills that I had developed, and I just felt degraded. I felt unfulfilled. Going back to Dave and the pastor, the pastor asked Dave the miracle question. If you could do anything, what would you do? If you could do anything, what would you do? I am sure that you have been asked that. 
When Dave heard that question, he started moving uncomfortably in his chair. Discomfort was all over his face. Most of us are terrified about asking that question because the odds are that we're not going to be doing what we want to do. The odds of letdown are really high. It is very likely, especially for all of us during this stage of life, that we're not doing what we want to do, and especially if we're in our 20s. If you could do anything, what would you do? It's a luxury that we are able to ask that question when billions of people in this world just live mouth to mouth, hand to mouth, I mean. They, live, they just live with whatever money they could make to survive. But in this country, we can ask that question. If I could do anything, what would I do? Even though we can do what we want to do, a lot of us are doing things that we hate to do. A lot of us dread work every day. It's the bane of our existence. After an awkward silence, Dave answered, well, I guess I would love to be a police officer. And then the pastor replied, why, why don't you just quit? Give it a shot. Dave provided a, l- a list of reasons why he couldn't. The family business, his dad was dependent on him, his wife and family But at the end of their conversation, the pastor just said, Dave, here's what I would do. I would go home, I would talk to my wife, and then to my dad, I would think and pray. Why don't you at least try? One of my objectives during this series concerning work is to help you love what you do or do what you love. Love what you do or encourage you to do what you love. As we learn about work, we're going to learn about the art of being human. And we start today with a theology of work. Any theology of work must begin with theology of creation. That is why at the beginning of our time, I read from Genesis 1, God Worked. He created this land. He created this material world. And within this world, work was part of the original creation design. We started with Genesis 1 1 in the beginning, or as some other translations have it, when God began to create heaven and earth. Began, beginning. What is this beginning? It's, It's the beginning of time the beginning of creation, the beginning of God's story with humanity. In the beginning, God. Who is this God we find in Genesis 1-1? God. He he is, in Hebrew, the name for God that we find is this word called Elohim. Elohim. It is the word that we use for God, the Hebrew word that we use for God. In the beginning of time, God already existed. He already was. He, he's unlike the gods of the ancient Near East, the area where the Bible was written. There, there is no genealogy connected to Elohim. God doesn't come from anything or anyone. He was just there. He has always been there. 
Everything in the cosmos has a beginning, but God just was and has always been and will always be. And this God works. He creates. The Hebrew word for create is this word called bada. Bada. The Hebrew word, this word is connected to God, and it's only connected to God. Only God badas. He is the only one that can create, as we see in Genesis. Humans cannot create in the same way God creates, but humans can make, fashion, form, shape, or even build things. The word bada is translated in our English Bible as create, and it's not a bad translation. But we have to understand this word from a Hebrew perspective. The Hebrews would connect bara to make and also to form. And there's also the sense that it happened suddenly. So God created suddenly. And then in Genesis 1-2, we see that the earth itself, it was tohu vavohu. It was in chaos. It was... Uh, futile. It was a wasteland. So God, what he does, he makes from tohu babohu, he creates and forms this world that is in order, and it is placed. In the beginning, God made, it's not, it's not the focus from exohnilo, from nothing. The focus is more that God made disorder into order. He made this, which is We could call it chaos, and he made it into shalom, into order. He brought order from disorder, from tohu vavohu to shalom. In the beginning, God created everything, the heavens and the earth, the roof and the foundation, the heights and the depths. God made it all. Then as we saw in Genesis 1-2, it was all chaotic, no order. The word tohu vavohu conveys no purpose, no meaning, no function, nothing working as it should, nothing growing, futile, empty, barren, un- uninhabited, a wasteland. But God brought order. And now things can happen in the world. Therefore, we can see Genesis 1-1 as God creating everything. And then the verses that follow tell us how he did it. He brought order. In six days, and he created. He spoke, he, he, he spoke, and it was. We read that on, the day, on day one, there was light. On the second day, there was, the waters divided. The third day, stars and suns. The fourth day, and, sea, and we see sea animals, then the dry land animals. On the sixth day, It's important to note that the Bible is not a science textbook. It's a book about people and God, about how people viewed the world. This depiction is a depiction of what appeared to the Israelites, like they would go to the mountains, and it did look like a dome, and it looked like this. And we still use language as how things appear, even though it's not how they actually are. Like we still say, the sun rises and the sun sets, and with no trouble, even though we know that the sun is not moving. We are. That is the same here. It is 
a depiction of how things appeared to them. And it did appear like this for many of them. And many of these depictions show, show how the earth is structured. It suggests, if you were a Hebrew, that this really looks like, for the Hebrews, it looks like a temple. They would have seen the world, God creating this world as a temple. God built, when he created the earth, he, he built a temple, a cosmic temple. That's how the Israelites would have seen it. This material world was built by God, and then he said, it was good. This earth, the material, material world, he said it was good. Not bad. Good. We sometimes have this dualistic view that earth is bad and heaven is good. But that is a horrible view. God made this world. And he said it was God. God created, God built, and God worked. He made the material world and the invisible world. God, uh, John Mark Homer puts it this way. God is an artist, a designer, a creative. He's an engineer, a builder, an ecologist, a zoologist, an expert in horticulture, a musician, a poet, a king, a shepherd. But above all, he's a worker and a vigorous one at that. God is not far away on a distant island, chilling on a beach chair with a drink. No, God is a worker. There were other stories about creation when the book of Genesis was written. One story is the story of Enuma Elish. It's a Babylonian epic on creation. In their story, their gods were tired of always working, so they made humans as their slaves to do their work. The Greeks thought that the gods and human beings lived together in harmony. No one had to do any work. Work in the minds of the Greeks was only for the animals, not for the gods or for humans. But in Genesis, we don't see a God who is tired of work. Instead, we see a God who works and partners with people to work even more. The first thing the Bible shows us about God is that he is a creative, competent, efficient, caring worker who, who works to provide for others so that others could live and prosper in this world. And with all this work, God said that it was good. Now let's get to the climax of God's creation. God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. They will rule fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female, and it was very good. God saw that all he made, and it was very good, evening and morning, and then the sixth day, very good indeed. As part of his climactic work, God created 
humans in his image. Every human, not just the king, not just Pharaoh, as it was accustomed to think about during that time. Every human was the Salem. The Salem. And we'll connect it to this little happy human. <laughs> the Salem of Elohim, of God. Everyone, you are made in the image of God. Everyone is made in the image of God. Salem in the Hebrew is, is an idol, a statue. God built this beautiful temple. And then he, he decorated it. He made it gorgeous. And then he put an idol, a Salem. He put humans in the temple to take care of the temple. And, and idols during the, that time were represented, represented the gods. And we, like an idol, represent our God on this earth to take care of the temple. The image of God, the Imago Dei, is an idea that people have trouble understanding. The image of God does not speak about representing God physically it speaks about representing God in the intellect, in the rational mind, in consciousness, the soul, and free will. In creation, nothing else has the image of God, only humans. The image of Elohim is what makes us different from the animals and the trees. As image bearers, we are an expression of God. I, I don't know... If you have heard Jay-Z and Donda's album in jail, but he said, God in my cells, that's a celly. Made in the image of God, that's a selfie. <laughs> we, we are not God. We are not exactly like God. We are different from him. But we do express him, and we do represent him. We reflect him. Therefore, there are these similarities. As God's representatives... With all of us, God, God has shared his authority with us and dominion over the world to do his will on the earth. So we have two things to do. We, we, we rule and we have dominion. Dominion does not talk about being oppressive. Dominion in Genesis is about ruling, how, ruling here on earth how God ruled. He is a creator, a life giver. And we are to do the same. We are to rule and have dominion or care over this world. And we are also supposed to be fruitful and multiply. Those are the commands that God gave to his image bearers. When we do this, we are being what God has called us to do, what God created us to do. God made and worked. He was and then made the world exist. And now we are to be fruitful or creative like God. God invites us to continue the creation project that he started. 
How do we flourish on this earth? How do we continue the creation project as God's image bearers? Don't immediately and only think about churchy work. Think about the farmer, the rancher. That, that was what God was doing when he created the heavens and earth. He was gardening. Think also about the engineer, the software developer, the nuclear physicist the ditch digger, the physician, the coach, the pastor, the zookeeper, the politician, the detective, and the mailman, the construction worker, and the gardener, the cashier, and the manager, the cook, and the plumber, the the teacher, and the secretary, the business person, and the supervisor. All these tasks, all these careers can be seen as flourishing, as being fruitful, as multiplying, as continuing the project that God has started. You're creating. You're keeping the peace, keeping shalom. You are being the image of God. Of course, there are some jobs that don't reflect the image of God, like being an an assassin or jobs that consist of lying and corrupting justice. But most jobs aren't like that. Let's talk about a person who worked in a righteous way, but not in the way that we would usually think about doing God's work. Mike, he was a doorman in New York City. He was one of 15 doormen serving a large Manhattan apartment complex, a home for over 100 families. Mike was still working when he was in his 60s. He, he actually migrated from Croatia to work in the U.S., He worked in the restaurant business and manual labor, but now he had been a doorman in the building for 20 years. He had a distinctive attitude with regards to his work. To Mike, being a doorman was much more than just a job. He cared about the people in the building and took pride in helping with loading, finding parking spaces, and welcoming guests. He had high standards for keeping the lobby clean and the front of the building also clean and pleasing. He he was asked one day, because people noticed his great work, he was asked one day, what makes you drop what you are doing to get to the curb in time to help unload a resident's car? Mike answered, that's my job. They needed my help. Why does he remember the name of every child? He's just a doorman. He just says in response, they live here. But why do you work so hard at every job, at every part of your job? And Mike replied, I don't know. It's just what I need to do to be able to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try my best every day. He appears to work out of the gratefulness for the job and for his life. He was glad to be in this country and for the opportunities that he had. Mike served professionals and business people, people who were probably glad that they weren't a doorman. Some might think that working as a doorman is demeaning if they had to do it themselves. But Mike's attitude shows that he recognized the inherent dignity of the work he was doing. And in this, he brought out goodness and worth on this earth. God entrusted Mike to carry out his will on this earth. And he has entrusted 
every single image bearer, you and me, to keep shalom. And a large way we do this is through our work. Tim Keller said, through our work, God brings forth food and drink, products and services, knowledge and beauty, organizations and communities, growth and health, and praise and glory to himself. God uses his image bearers. He uses us to carry out his will on this earth. How will he feed the hungry? Through us. How will he show us technological wonders? Through us. How will he defeat pandemics and illnesses? Through us. God partners with all of us, not just those of royal blood, not just the wealthy, not just the white man. All of us are made in the image of God to partner with him and do his work here on earth. We all rule as image bearers, partnering with God and we, we partner with God and, and therefore work also on this earth. And those two things, partnering with God and working, are central to who we are. It matters what we do. It matters what our job description is. Let's think about it some more. Being fruitful and multiplying, a very plain reading of this is having kids. It does include that and more, not less. If you have kids and are raising them, you are being fruitful. You are imaging God. It takes work to take care of kids. It takes effort, time, money, energy, planning, and stress. And they are one of the greatest blessings in our lives because each of our kids is spilling over with raw and uncut potential, and each one is a full-time job. The pastor I mentioned earlier who was counseling Dave, he had a wife who was a stay-at-home mom, and he hated when people would ask him, does your wife work? It bugged him, and, and I get it. Like That question assumes that parenting doesn't really count as a legitimate career. Like if you're competent, intelligent, why would you waste the best years of your life on your children? It's sad that the world and even the church at times doesn't have a high view of parenting, at least not for it to be a career. God's view of the family is over the top. Parenting is one of the most biblical jobs you could ever have. Of course, if you can't have children or remain single, you can still have a fulfilled life since Jesus was not married and neither was Paul. But my point is, parents, keep on parenting. Keep it up. Fill the earth. Raise those kids and know that when you are doing it, you are doing God's will. You are imaging God. But let's think deeper. God wants us to multiply. He wants us to grow. He wants there to be more people. That means that he wants a lot of humans. And what comes with that? With a lot of humans comes civilizations. God wants civilizations. He, want human, he wants human beings to make babies and to make churches and to make community centers 
and schools, social services, government, and entire countries. He wants humans to fill the earth with everything that comes with being human. And he wants the, these humans to work and subdue the land. God subdued the world, as we saw earlier. He brought beauty from the Tohu Vavohu world. To subdue, to be God's image bearer, means to use this earth and make beauty. It doesn't mean that we pollute it. We work the land. The first humans, they were supposed to work in paradise, not stay at the beach, sipping drinks. Work was part of paradise. Taking care of the land and cultivating and gardening and beautifying, that's what they were supposed to do in paradise. They were supposed to work. All of this was part of God's plan. We rearrange what God has given us and make beautiful things. We make art. We make houses. We make gardens. We make apps. We make pipes. We make food. We make life easier. Work is not bad. It's good. It's a blessing. We were made for it. Work is part of God's intended world. Part of paradise. Work is not a necessary evil or even a punishment. Work is a blessing. In fact, work is as much as a basic need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality are. Without meaningful work, we feel that something is missing. We feel empty. Without work, many people feel unproductive, feel that they don't thrive. Just ask anyone who does not work. Here's the story. Jay and Barbara Belding were entrepreneurs who recognized this need for work, even among adults who were developmentally disabled. They were worried about what would happen to the special ed students after they graduated school. Are they not part of God's plan to bring shalom? Can they not continue the creation project? Can they not partner with God? Of course they can. So Jay and Barbara established the Associated Production Service in 1977. This enterprise provided quality training and employment for this population of adults. Today, the company trains 480 people who are engaged in a variety of labor-intensive packaging and assembly work for a number of consumer products com companies at four facilities. The buildings are grateful that they had this opportunity to help this population fulfill their intrinsic need to be productive. They said, our people want to participate in the work-a-day world to feel positive about themselves, and to help pay their own way. Work is fundamental to who we are. Work is good. Dorothy Sayer, an English writer and poet, said, What is the Christian understanding of work? It is that work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is, or it should be, the full expression of the worker's faculties, the medium in which he offers himself to God. 
work is not what we do just so we could survive, or at least it shouldn't be. Work is what we live to do. Work is where we use all of our faculties, all of our abilities, or at least it should be the place where we use those things. And we use those things as an offering to God through this good work. And good work is not just the work of a missionary, of a social worker, or a teacher. Good work is also the work of a miner, an auto mechanic, and a a chemist. The Bible doesn't always call us to be a minister or a doctor. You could be a manager or even a sculptor. Let's end our story with the story that we ended with Dave. Six months after Dave had his conversation with the pastor, they ran into each other again. And Dave was beaming. It was obvious something had changed. It turns out that he quit the family business. His dad was fine with it. Dave got a job with the local police department. He had to start at the bottom. But the first time in years, he woke up before his alarm. Dave was the same guy. Same wife, same family, same church, same city, same exercise routine, same coffee shop, same lawn to mow, same dentist. All that changed was his job, what he got up to do every day. Why is that? How could something as mundane and ordinary as a job change everything for Dave? It's because what we do is central to our humanity. Church, prayer, the Bible, all important. But they are just a fraction of our actual life. But work, it takes up a large percentage of our life. I encourage you as we start this series, start analyzing your work. Can you love what you do? Or do you have to find something else to do what you love? Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for being with us as we look at your Bible and look at what it has to say concerning work. We understand from the scriptures that you, God, you are a worker. And you have made us in your image to work in your world, that you have created this good world. I pray that we may strive and start considering are we pushing forward this world as you want us to push it forward. Lord, I pray that we may see how you have made us and start recognizing how we could possibly find a job or a career where we could work and use all of our faculties, use all of our abilities to honor you and to bring peace and shalom into this world. May your spirit be with us. In Jesus' name we pray.